Kevin McGill here. I hope you're enjoying the Nicholas & Company Audiobook Adventures series. If you would like to get a free ebook version of Nicholas & Company, The Merman and the Moon Forgotten, go to nicholasandco.com, N-I-K-O-L-A-S-A-N-D-C-O.com. Also, if you would like to buy the audiobook version of the Nicholas & Company Audio Adventure series, go to wherever audiobooks are sold. This is the Nicholas and Company Audio Adventures. Chapter 11 The Truth Having just been downgraded from Hover, the truck tore through the first floor of a newly constructed high-rise, two gated communities, and the Colorado City Summer Parade. The drum major grabbed her skittling baton and yelled after them, Antique cars will just get someone killed! Nick didn't care. He was just happy to put some distance between them and what Grand called trackers. Eventually, they took the I-45 highway, since the transportation industry could not afford hover technology, the only highway had been reserved for transport vehicles. Grand was able to zip quickly past the compact trains and 18-wheelers. Once they passed Dixon's Bridge, everyone's leashes began to spark. They shook their wrists, trying to stop the electrical jolts, but it didn't seem to help. Biofarm's properties were moving outside of the assigned 15-mile perimeter. Grand followed the signs to Scion Park. Once there, he smashed through the guard arm, ignoring the Attendrone's request of payment. With little visibility and a waning moon that glowed through the Earth's great cloud to guide the way, they crept along an old service road for another hour. Finally, the truck drove into a forest clearing. Grand launched from the cab, leaving on the remaining headlight. This should do for now, Huron. Tried to be as unpredictable as I could. Be patient with me, please, Huron. I'll save the mermen, I promise. He mumbled to no one in particular. He grabbed the mimes and let them fall like sacks of beef. Everyone out! Haley rushed over to Nick and grabbed him by the arm. Your grandpa was freaking us out in there, she said. Kept blabbing on about protecting the mermaids and trackers picking up our scent. Said he'd kill them with his bare hands if he had to. What is going on, Nick? Is your grand an international criminal or just bonkers? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Nick raised his hands. My sisters and I can't hang out with a mentally unstable person, okay? A blue arc left around from Brandy's leash band. Ow! That one really hurt! She wiped her wrist. We've moved out of the refugee camp's range for the leashes, Daniel said. We have to figure out how to turn these off, Nick said. Don't worry about that. I have a halter. Daniel held a flat object the shape of a dime. Saved it for such a time. Brandy, your wrist, please. That's high security stuff, Nick said. Yes, I know, Daniel said. Brandy, your wrist, please. But the cops don't even have those. Where did you get it? Daniel didn't respond. Instead, he held the halter until Brandy's leash clicked and slid to the ground. 
Who's next? Several more wrists raised to Daniel. Where did you get it, Daniel? Nick repeated. I have my sources, Daniel said. Nick watched the leashes fall to the ground one by one, their readouts still projecting the refugees' biorhythms and life expectancy. Everyone automatically rubbed their wrists while exchanging looks of elation, concern, even wonder. Nick considered the leashes on the ground. He really didn't understand what it meant to be the property of someone else. You and you, Grand pointed to Tim and Xanthus. You'll be stowing the bodies into the pressers. This is how it's done. Grand grabbed the pinky of the comatose Sonia mime and shoved it into the presser's tip. He stepped on the presser and bounced his leg up and down like a one-footed jig. Xanthus's mouth fell open as the Sonia mime began to shrivel and get sucked into the presser. It was like watching fruit dry. The presser will keep them for 48 hours. After that, they begin to wrinkle. It's a beast getting the wrinkles out. Tim slowly put one shoe onto the presser. The Sonya mime's fingers slipped out. Just shove it back in, Tim, Grant said. Try the tongue if it gives you trouble. He looked at his grandfather like he was seven kinds of insane. He went to his knees, grabbed the red fingernail of the Sonia mime and slipped it into the presser. The knuckle cracked, popped, and slipped out again. Even in the moonlight, one could see Tim turn pale. After a few more attempts, the finger sealed into place. Tim stood to his feet and began slowly pumping the presser with his foot. The presser blew and sucked, grinning at the Eric mime. Xanthus raised his massive leg and slammed it down. The Eric mime jumped a foot. Not too hard now, boy, Grand yelled. It'll just make a mess if you go and pop him. Very good. That's more like it. Should keep him for the time being. Grand sighed. Have to see about an antidote, Moonside. Now, I'm afraid your friends are about to get a mouthful, Nick. These are the monsters that have been chasing us. Grand flung a handful of stardust into the air. With a few swirls of the index finger, the skuckas reappeared. Brandy gasped. Both pressers stopped sucking. Keep pressing, boys, Grand ordered. We've very little time before the real skuckas are upon us. Now, to catch all of you up, your friends are about to get a mouthful, Nick. As the pressers beat slowly for the next twenty minutes, Nick watched Grand re-explain to his friends how the monsters had chased their family away from their home, Moon, and how Nick had to return home to save the merfolk. As Grand made large gestures with his massive hands, Nick scanned the faces of all his friends. Daniel tilted over his cane. Haley kept her arms crossed. Did they believe Grand? Nick thought. Do I? Finally, Grand took a breath and said, That's about all I told Nick and Tim. His friends stared back at the large, wild-eyed man. Nick hoped they wouldn't laugh out loud at their kooky grandfather. I told you it was real. Xanthus performed a dropkick. I told you, I told you, I told you, I told you. No one believed me. No one. Redemption. Haley rolled her eyes. What do they want with you? Betty's torn between love for his family and duty to his country, Caroline offered. Dude, it's gotta be the Lord of Fire and Ice, Xanthus said. He wants to conscript Grand into the elite warrior guard, but Grand works for no one. What do they want with you? Nick repeated Haley's question. 
It's not what they want with me, Grant said, but what they're trying to keep me from. Chasing me away from Huron has left her and her citizens vulnerable. I believe they were sent by the Dujinin, the same people who attacked the Muros. The Skukas kept me on the run these 14 years so they could execute their devilish schemes. The Dujinin have now openly attacked the Muros, while Muros... Mermaids? Xanthus called out. Well, Grant said, that is what we call the female Muros. Whatever, Xanthus said. Mermaids are hot. Anyway, Grant said, the Muros do not live within the city walls, rather off the coast of Inklian, in great sea fortresses. Still, they are given Huronite citizenship because they manage and guard all of Huron's wealth in offshore accounts. I would suppose the Dujinin mean to plunder those treasures. I must return to her, and so must you, Nicholas. It is you Huron needs now. I would have never risked coming to the ground and out into the open like this, if it wasn't for our dear city. The Muros are in grave danger, and with them, Huron itself. I must bring you home. Home? Aye. Nick couldn't manage a response. All he could do was listen to the pressers. The mimes had withered to half their size. Grand squared to Nick. Above all else, what do you desire from this life? Get off this planet, Nick said immediately. He looked to Moon as it glowed behind the great cloud. Without moving his gaze, he said, Go home, Moon. But, but... I didn't think home was a fantastic version of the moon. Nick combed his fingers through his hair. That's another thing. I don't get any of this. Where's this city you keep talking about? Is there, like, an unheard of civilization somewhere, underground? Why do you keep talking about the past like you're some kind of time traveler or something? Because I am, Grand said. And so are you, Tim. He stepped into the middle of the stardust scucka and spun his finger like a lasso, each revolution smaller than the next. Dust began to clot into spheres. Saturn? Jupiter? Mars? Said Daniel as planets took shape. What's that stuff you're using again? Xanthus said. Stardust, Grant said. This was Earth myriads of years ago, before men kept record of the heavens. If they had, they would have known that our solar system bore not eight, but nine planets. He stepped to Earth and did a quick revolution around it. Earth had a twin. Ah, the kids breathed in. A second planet crested over Earth like a blue-white sunrise, but it wasn't its mirror copy. They were fraternals. Slightly larger, its oceans were deeper hue. Its continents were severe and pronounced sparkled like someone had glazed it over with flecks of glass. The pressers wheezed to a stop again. I told you, keep them going, boys, Grant warned Tim and Xanthus. They resumed their pressing. Moon was his name, Grant said, and the brother planets were bonded literally one to another. Nick stepped around Grant for a better look. The planetary bodies were so close that the atmosphere fused together like Siamese twins. A massive rope crossed the atmospheres, tethering the two planets together. The tidal waves? Daniel shook his head. The gravitational force between the two worlds would be enough to rip the surfaces apart. And so it did, until the tether was constructed by Rock Umbria. It cast a spell over the planets, keeping peace among skies and tides. Where's Moon? 
Haley unfolded her hands. Moon, Nick said, knowing the answer before Haley asked the question. Moon is the moon. Yes, Nicholas. Well done. Earth in my time is barely inhabited. Except for the tethered realms, it is ice or wilderness. As fate would have it, moon, your moon, is the rich, powerful planet of the brother worlds, steeped in wonder and mystery. He is the cradle of all magical civilization. Dude, said Xanthus, lifting up his bestiary, totally makes sense. We've always looked to the moon as our source of magic. Werewolves changed by it. Farmers planted their seed by it. Mothers prayed they would give birth by it. Oh, let us not forget the Greek goddess, Daphne. Hey, Haley said, want to be sedated? Because I'll happily do it. It's my job to keep people informed. And here, Grand pointed to the middle of the largest landmass, is Huron, home. Your home, Nicholas and Tim. Tim gave Nick an expression. Seriously, is anyone buying this? Next to Tim, Xanthus was furiously taking notes in his bestiary while pumping the presser. In my time, the city of Huron is the seat of power on Moon. Huron's magic makes her both the jewel and the envy of the brother worlds. Before the city was built, the valley of Huron was discovered. Because of its rich magic, a fierce civil war broke out among all the lings, yumlings, creechlings, biglings, midglings, fearlings. They fought over rights for the valley and its magical properties. As a truce, Ron Aran the Wise decided to build the city of Huron. All races were given their own boroughs. It had become a metropolis, a melting pot, if you will, of Moon's fantastic creature. Forgive me, Daniel interrupted. Aside from your more interesting rendition of Moon, we would have found evidence of a previous civilization. It's nothing more than a mass of iron and dust. Yes, that was before the wars and the burning away of all Moon's creatures. There is no evidence of a previous civilization because what you see in the sky, my friend, is a corpse. The ghost of a once powerful magical world. Some dark force ripped off the skin between that time in history and today and flung it away from Earth to become a satellite instead of a brother. Even your scientists, Daniel, attest to the fact that Moon is the remnant of a larger, more Earth-like planet. Yes, well... Daniel fell silent. In fact, everyone else fell silent, too. Except for the whistling of the pressers, Nick took a step closer to the stardust. Home? Grand nodded. That's right, lad. They're all like you, Nick said. Well, afraid there is no one like me in Huron. The citizens are more civilized. But yes, I call them brethren. Right, Tim said in a slow, unbelieving tone. Look, all I care about is Mom and Dad. If these are some type of mimes or clones or whatever scientists call them, where are my parents? They're home. Oxbar Estates. Manor Major, southeast of Huron. Grand pointed to the center of a large continent. No, I mean really, Grand. I'm 14 already. You don't have to fabricate these stories to make me feel better. Where are they really? I wouldn't lie to you, Tim, 
As I said, the trackers hunted us throughout Huron Valley. I left them secured at Manor Major. Nick looked to the shriveling mines. So, they're not my parents? No, Grant shook his head. Surprised you never suspected. I did a poor job making them, and I'm not trying to be modest either. The trackers were close on our heels, and I had to cut the mime's firing time short by ten minutes. I pulled them out of the kiln too fast, and they cooled immaturely. That's why they were so weird, Nick said. Always acted like they were cool, hip, one of us. They were basically teenagers. Yes, Grand nodded. The mimes share your parents' memories. That's one of the first things you add to the brew. But their personalities were underdeveloped. But we digress. Grand clasped his hands behind his back, sighed, looked the Lion's brothers dead in the face. I am ashamed to admit it, but because I abandoned Huron to her own devices, she abandoned me. I am no longer her steward. Grand's bear-like finger rose to Nick. You are, Nicholas Lyons. She will speak to you now. Speak? Nick said. Like with words? Yes. Grand pursed his lips. When the city of Huron was built many epochs ago, a strange thing occurred. A voice from the steward's horn called to Ra Niran. It was then that the settlers learned that every city has a voice. You see, a city contains thousands, even millions of citizens. If there is no voice, anarchy and death would reign. The voice of the city is a guiding light for all, but she doesn't speak to just anyone. Huron will speak only to her steward, and you, Nicholas, are that steward. You're kidding, right? Tim laughed. Steward? As in concerned for the well-being of other life forms? Could there be any doubt? Grant said. Ha! Nick shook his head. Yes, there could be. He's like me in so many ways, Grant said. If that be an indication of his care for the well-being of others. In his mind, Nick saw Grant fling an inoculodrone across the room and lift up two bodies out of a casket. Really not helping, Grant. Yes, Grant said. He is just like me right down to name and place in the family order. The voice is passed down from grandfather to grandson, always the youngest. You are the youngest, right? Yeah, Tim said. By 28 minutes, though. Always the youngest grandson, Grant said, and you are named Nicholas Lyons. Every steward of Huron is given the name, so she might find him. I am Nicholas Lyons the 11th. Well, that's a problem then. Tim said. His name is Nick. It's on the birth certificate. Are you my translator, Tim? Nick said. Shut it already. I can speak just fine. It should be Nicholas, Grant said. Your father named you so before we came here. Anyway, that can be rectified. I will take you to the Hall of Pickings, so that you might be given your true name. Grant's voice lowered. It is to you the stewardship passes. And with it, the voice of Huron. She will speak only to you, Nicholas. And that is why I brought you here tonight. The Murrows need you, Nicholas. I must bring you back to your city. I'm the steward? Nick said. 
Grand nodded slowly. He marched to the truck. He lifted the seat, revealing a dozen strange oddities. There you are. Grand held up a small copper box in both hands. With a cone-shaped tube pointing upward, clutching the device, he moved back to Nick. Ask her what she would have us do. What? Nick said. It's a gramophone, Daniel said. One of the first record players. Yes, the gramophone was inspired by the steward's horn. Grand raised the device to Nick. Ludwig gave it to me so Huron could speak to you. Tell us what to do next. She speaks to her steward through the horn. Nicholas, please. So... Nick pulled his hands out of his back pockets. What do you want me to do? Rub your fingers over the surface like this. Grand glided his fingers over the small rubber pad. Nick slowly reached out with his index finger. Small bits of static leapt out to his fingers as he pressed down. Then, just like Grand, he rubbed the pad in a circular motion. Garbled murmurs crept from the horn. Nick pressed harder with more speed. The murmurs shaped into a woman's voice. Huron's voice. Steward, where are you? The Rones lie about their true intent. They come to your city. They bring the smell of death to your streets, to your citizens. Come home, Steward. Save your city. Save us from this coming death. She sounds bummed out. Xanthus said. Tim huffed. You don't expect us to buy all this. The Rones, Grand cut Tim off. Quite strange. Why? Nick said. That, Grand said, that would contradict our entire quest. What's a Rone? Brandy leaned to Xanthus. Don't know. I've never heard of them, Xanthus said. Grand's green eyes investigated Nick. He could almost hear the unhinging of his own mind. He raised his chin high and said, Will you come home, Nicholas? Will you arise and take your place among the clouds? Nick looked back at his grandfather. He stood like some giant among the planets. A dusty Jupiter clung to his shoulder, slowly falling apart among the folds of his trench coat. Nick's gaze turned toward Moon. According to Grand, it was the ghost of an ancient magical planet. He'd already been there, hadn't he? There was that strange vision of him standing on the cobblestone streets of Huron. He had that really cool katana in his right hand and was wearing a bowler hat. It felt like home. Maybe that would explain Nick's obsession with the lunar colonies. Maybe Grand's fantastic version of Moon had been the home he had been searching for all along. Or maybe Grand was completely insane. Then again, a fairy tale world might not be so bad. Those grim fairy tale stories almost seemed uncomplicated. You know, Big Bad Wolf, Three Little Pigs, make sure you build your house out of brick kind of story. If that's what life on Moon was really like, then that's where he belonged, right? A simple life. Nick smiled at the idea. A simple life. Yeah, Nick shouted. Yes, yes, let's totally do that. Let's go to magical moons and bridge clouds and stuff. I'm in. Tim rolled his eyes. Grand laughed. Very good, Nicholas. I knew you'd be up for it. Now, we have very little time to lose. We must return your friends to the refugee camp and then make for the gateway. Grand turned to the hover truck. 
Nick's smile slid away. He looked back to the Kobayashi brothers and the Windle sisters, and then down to the leashes scattered at their feet. Caroline's readout blinked. Life expectancy, 17. Haley's, 18. What would become of them after Nick and Tim zoomed off to some fantastic world? If I go, they go, Nick said quickly. What? Grant stopped in mid-stride. All of them? We're a package deal. I won't leave them behind. A mission is far too dangerous, lad, Grant said. I cannot allow it. You don't know how they treat refugee kids. Nick crossed his arms. They're tagged, Grand. A refugee can't be more than 15 miles away from the refugee camp before they're shocked by leashes like a dog. The farther away, the worse it gets. Isn't it for their safety? Not even. Nick's voice rose. The Geneva virus is out of control at the refugee camps. Most of the refugees die before they're 18. Biofarms counts on it, because they have a contract with the government. Cheaper to harvest organs than to grow them yourself. Leashes make sure the refugees don't run away with their precious property. It's not right, Grand. I have seen darkness in my time, but this is unheard of, Grant said. Surely the U.S. government wouldn't allow it, its own citizens, Haley sneered. Biofarms foots the bill and the U.S. looks the other way. It's considered bioethically responsible to pass your organs on. So a few fancy lawyers have their own souls removed and then draft up the legal papers. Biofarms can leash us, brand us, chip us, or whatever else they feel is necessary to protect their assets. They come with us. Nick said. You're serious, Nicholas, aren't you? Caroline said. Yes, I am. This could be your home. Nick turned back around to Grand. Sorry, Grand, but we're a package deal. Grand nodded slowly. It is so, but their very lives are in your hands, Nicholas. You are responsible. Yeah, of course. Nick realized how non-committal that sounded. I mean, yes, responsible. I'm responsible. Nicholas, responsible? Okay, I'm done with all this. Tim stepped in between Grand and Nick. When did everyone take a swan dive into Nick's Kool-Aid? I'm sorry, Grand. I'm sure you think we're just kids who'd believe any crazy story about tethered worlds and cities that speak to stewards and that these aren't our parents, but just clones you baked in an oven. Actually, they're half-baked, Nick snickered. Half-baked. Xanthus gave him a fist bump. Nice one. We don't believe you, Grand, Tim continued. The trackers are just genetic mutations. You're using nanotechnology for the dust, and you OD'd on some illegal substance playing world of witches and wizards. Grand isn't crazy, Nick rounded on Tim. He's grand, I believe him. That's a no-brainer, Tim laughed, cause you're like the most naive person on the planet, Nick. Grand is senile, look around. Do you think anyone else believes Earth and Moon were lassoed together by magic like some old bedtime story? I do. Caroline poked her hand up. Xanthu straightened. There'll definitely be pain involved if someone tries to stop me. Really? Tim said. Caroline? Xanthus? Really? Did you see those things? Brandy pointed toward Colorado City. They ain't from around here. I must warn you, though, Grant said. If you come, Moon carries its own danger. It isn't the danger. Haley's hand unconsciously moved over her naked wrist. It's that we can't protect ourselves from it. You will be given the latitude and freedom that comes with youth at your age, Grant said. I will make you all wards of the House of Lions. Haley turned to Brandy and Caroline. Then we're going. At least the Windles are. Come on, Tim said. Just like that? Daniel? Daniel shifted his cane. 
science could only profit from such a trip. Yes, I will go. What? Tim turned to Haley. Haley, you're not buying this, are you? Haley shrugged. Yeah, I am. Tim looked shell-shocked. He couldn't believe the Earth and Moon were tethered together in some forgotten mythical age. On the other hand, Haley did. The question isn't to them, Grant said. The question is to you, Tim Lyons. Will you cross the tether with us? You do not have to go. I can set up an account here. You'll never have to work again. Tim's mouth hung open. But, uh, what? Seriously, guys, there's just no way. I mean, you guys can't really think the moon. He looked to his friends and then to Haley. What would Tim choose? Principles were important, but Haley's lips were soft and pink. Whatever, Tim crumbled. Grand handed the steward's horn to Nick and collected the pressers. All right, I've let nostalgia and bygones delay us. Now to the gateway, like a food pantry, Xanthus said. Or, um, wardrobe? Grand stopped. If it were only that easy. He turned and pointed to the sky. The doorway is right there. In the great cloud, Xanthus said. No, Grand said, beyond the great cloud. What? Space? Tim said. Outer space? Yes. Afraid so, Tim. Of course, Daniel said. The gateway is a prefabricated wormhole. No, Grant said. Nothing so crude. A wormhole is a tear, a scar in the heavens. This is a passageway made by the hands of a craftsman. And this is the key. It is a chronos stone. Grand held up an obsidian stone. Quickly now, Colorado Spaceport's west gate is shut down for remodeling. Work crews come in the morning. Kevin McGill here. I hope you're enjoying the Nicholas and Company audiobook adventures series. If you would like to get a free ebook version of Nicholas and Company, The Merman and the Moon Forgotten, go to nicholasandco.com, N-I-K-O-L-A-S-A-N-D-C-O.com. Also, if you would like to buy the audiobook version of the Nicholas and Company audio adventure series, go to wherever audiobooks are sold.